What's up, Dunwoody? After taking a few weeks off during the holidays, we're going to try to get back on track and knock some shows out, get a few out this week. Um, it's always tough to record with the kids around the house, though, but check this out. This is my uh, three-year-old from this morning. His name is Samuel. What's up, Dunwoody? He is freaking adorable. Another extra special guest today. Um, this is the start of a three-part series with Mayor Denny Shortle. In this episode, you'll hear where Denny came from and how he and a small group of other citizens formed our great city. We really appreciated his time, and he was incredibly nice and easy to talk with. Although, City Hall is always an adventure in podcasting. The vent in his office was super loud, and those walls are paper thin. Plus, he kept hitting the table and the mic emphatically while he was talking, and uh, I was too respectful, or intimidated, to tell him to stop. So I hope you can get past the sound. The interview starts out a little slow, but really gets good as the show goes on. It ended up being one of my favorite interviews that we've done. Um, by the second half, we get more comfortable, and the mayor ends up calling Justin fat. It was awesome. So make sure you hit that subscribe button to get all three parts right when they come out. The show is sponsored by me and Justin. I'm Matt Weber. I'm a real estate agent with the Dogwood team, Keller Williams Peachtree Road. What makes me special? I just love marketing and using this What's Up platform that I've built. I specialize in getting eyeballs on your for sale property in Dunwoody. My co-host Justin Dyke is a web developer slash software creator. Justin runs PoolDues.com and CartoonSmart.com. He is amazing at what he does and can guide you in the right direction when you want to accept payments on your company website. But enough about us. Here is a little bit about Mayor Denny Shortle. What's up, Dunwoody? Welcome back to the What's Up, Dunwoody podcast. Uh, we're here with the big man. We're here with Denny Shortle, Mayor Shortle from uh, Dunwoody. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, but, you know, I'm actually, uh, I'm from Missouri originally. I'm from a small town. And uh, you know, I think I got to get a little closer to the mic. But That's I perfect. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, I grew up in a town of 400 people. I'm a farm boy. Uh, I went to a one-room school. I'm probably the only person in Dunwoody that's went to a one-room schoolhouse in their life in yeah. uh, my first three years and uh, walked to school uh, my family, we weren't endowed with a lot of financial funding. In fact, if anybody in our family had a $5 bill, they probably found it on the street. So, uh, you know, I don't feel put upon. I don't feel bad about it or anything else. You know, we just didn't have indoor plumbing until I was 13 years old uh, or running water, either one of those things. But uh, a lot of other people around our neighborhood did too, same way. So, you know, I don't. I don't go back and say, oh, gosh, my upbringing was terrible. I didn't have a lot of this, not, a, not at all. I had fun. Just you made know. you stronger, right? I'm, I'm an Irish guy, so, you know, I, I have fun no matter where I go. But, uh, you know, that I, uh, <clears throat> you know, when I was, uh, went through grade school, third grade, and then I went to a Catholic school. It was about 10 miles away, you know, and uh, we used to walk. Nobody had, uh, nobody had parents taking them anywhere in those days. You know, we lived on country roads, and we walked. The, the uh, one-room schoolhouse was a mile and three-quarters from my house, and winter, Every everything. Day, twice, it was huh? all uphill both ways, you know. Yeah, that's it how it works. It doesn't come down, but, uh, you know, I, I, I went to a high school. Uh, it was 90 kids in the whole school, and, and uh, in fact, I just found out this morning one of my high school classmates passed away, so we're... We're down to nine of us left now. Oh, so man. <laughs> <laughs> That's it? And we're spread out, so one grenade won't get us all. <laughs> Not the best reunion no, at this point. <laughs> yeah, but we have one just about every year, every other year. Uh, yeah. yeah, we, we kind of gather. Not always everybody's there, but we get together. And, you know, and I was 
like I said, I grew up on the farm. I, I'm the youngest of uh, three brothers and two sisters, and I'm, you know, I'm the son of Harold and Catherine Shardle, and that's it, from Nowheresville, Missouri, as I always say. And uh, I'm nothing special. I know that, and I don't try to be anything special. Our parents instilled upon us right away that, uh, you know, don't try to be something you're not, and always remember where you came from. And that's, you know, so that's been kind of one of the principles I've tried to live with. Uh, my brother, my uh, brother went to college. I went to college. My oldest brother was the first person in our family to ever go to college, as far back as you can go. Uh, but uh, the, uh, you know, when uh, my other brother, we we didn't have the funds to go to college right away, and so my brother uh, he worked for a year in a factory uh, where my dad worked. My dad was a factory worker, and. Uh, my, uh, and so he and I ran the farm until he went to college, he went to college, and then I was 14 years old, I, I ran the farm. My dad worked in the factory, he got up every morning at quarter to five, got home about six o'clock every night. And, uh, you know, but I had a great uh, teacher in high school, a guy named uh, Mr. Burris, who was our vocational agricultural teacher, taught me everything, taught me how to soil test, everything else, Any, every, anytime he had a problem, Weekend nights or anything, I could call Mr. Burris, and if he needed to come out to the house, he would. Yeah. And that's the kind of atmosphere I grew up in. You know, it's also from a small town. There's a little problem with that because you don't get away with anything. You know, everybody knows you, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're not afraid to talk to talk about uh, to anybody else either. But uh, you know, uh, I don't know. You know, that's uh, I worked through high school. You know, uh, played sports. You know, and uh, did all those other crazy things. Uh, worked in a service station besides. So I, I kept busy, it kept me out of trouble a little bit. But you know, in my hometown, uh, we knew the police, the police knew us. But you know, if you got in trouble, uh, it, it wasn't the end of the world. You know, they kind of give you a warning and uh, if you didn't take their warning the first time, they'd probably call your parents. And that wasn't a good thing with my father, so I took their warnings to heed. <laughs> and. Uh, but after uh, I got out of uh, got out of high school, I still ran the farm for a year. I, you know, I, again, you know, my, my parents didn't have money to send me to college, and you know what? I don't feel bad about that. So don't don't anybody out there feel sorry for me because I don't feel sorry for myself whatsoever. But uh, I did. Uh, you know, I worked. Uh, in fact, after a while, I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll just work and uh, you know skip this college. Well, in my house, if my dad said something, you didn't talk about it too much, you just did it. And, uh, you know, I was a, I worked uh, as a laborer when I first got out on a bricklaying crew, and uh, then I worked as a carpenter, I was a carpenter. And, uh, you know, in the summer, in the winter, it kind of, things, construction slows down in the north, I, and <clears throat> so I got laid off, so then I got to work, uh, work in a factory for a while, working on an assembly line, and then uh, then I got a job at uh, the, uh, working on an asphalt crew, and that's, uh, I'm going to get both of you guys on asphalt crew so you can get on these little mics and talk about that later That sounds on. awful. Yeah. If I could do it for one day, I would love to do it. Yeah. Dirty jobs. There's no yes, such thing as one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and How so, come you didn't go to the military earlier? Uh, you know, that was, I looked at that, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I was, I was young. I was very young when I, we moved uh, out to the farm there. I was uh, like five years old, just five years old, and my neighbor was on that school board, that one-room schoolhouse, and he said, uh, said to my dad, 
when's Denny going to start school? And he says, well, he's not old enough. And he said, well, I'm on the school board. I can take care of that. So actually, I started the first grade when I was just five years old. So I was always younger than everybody else. So when I got out of high school, I was younger too. Okay. In fact, every year at our high school reunion, that's a quiz. Who's the youngest amongst us? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I worked for a year out and uh, took care of the farm. And my dad came in one day and he said, you're going to go to college. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, uh, I guess uh, I guess we'll figure that out. And he says, yeah, you'll figure that out. <laughs> so, you know, I I saved up some money and, you know, college wasn't expensive as, as it is today. You know, I still remember our tuition was 107 bucks a semester nice. at the University of Missouri. And everybody says, well, why'd you go to Missouri? I said, well, you know, I didn't know there were any other colleges in America. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my spectrum was kind of narrow. And uh, so uh, I, I went to college and, uh, you know, my dad used to say there's three things in life. If you're going to look at something, it's something you're good at, uh, something you like, and something you learn you live in, not necessarily in that order. Well, I thought I was good at farming, so I went in. Uh, I'm an agricultural business economics major. And there's a guy named Sam Walton who went to the same school with the same major as me. Yeah. He just did better than I did. Yeah. So <laughs> quite a bit better, in fact, you know. But, uh, you know, I... And uh, I was in the NROTC program. Uh, Missouri was a land-grant school, so everybody had to go through the college uh, NROTC at least for two years. My brother was in the NROTC when I got there, and and uh, he was a pretty sharp guy, so he got me in a lot of things, by the way. <laughs> I just trailed in behind him. And uh, my sophomore year, the Marine instructor that was there said, you know, you ought to think about being a Marine. And he was squared away, sharp as a tack. His uniform was always perfect, and uh, and uh, so I did. I'm the first Marine in the family, and uh, got out of college. Uh, I was enlisted, and then I went through the NROTC program. Got out of college, and uh, I was going to be a grunt Marine. And uh, one day I was sitting out there, and they were dropping bombs in front of us, and I, I thought, hmm, I wonder. Looks like a pretty nice job. I, you know, I've never even been in a plane. You know, I didn't know anything about it. And uh, so myself and another farm boy from Wisconsin put in for it laughingly. And about three months later, we found out we were going to flight school. <laughs> so that's it. Went to flight school. Uh, you know, went through the program. I was, my dad was always uh, pushed us as far as, you know, excelling. So I finished pretty good high in the class. I got my choice. And I, so I went fighters. And, uh, Did you ever get into any dog fights? No, nope. I was I was over I was over North Vietnam with missiles and everything, but never, the you know the, they don't get in many dogfights unless they got you outnumbered. Their right. doctrine is to vector in, shoot one, and go for the ground. But uh, I had one on radar once, but that's as close as I got. But most of my missions were air to ground in support of Marines. I flew over three hundred of them, and uh, three hundred of them. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, when I flew, the, the guys on the other side were bad shots that day. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yes. You made it to, uh, to so do a crappy podcast with us. Yeah. A long time yeah. Later. Here, here I am. Yeah. Yeah. I said, hey, listen, I'll never meet Justin and Matt if you guys knock exactly. me out of the air here. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I, in college, I dated this girl, and uh, she's uh, still Nor. What's her name again? Oh, Mary. <laughs> and uh, heard wonderful things. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, you know, I was I'd been in the Marine Corps for quite a while. I, I was really kind of going to make a career out of it. I came back and you know, I had a pretty good combat record and everything. And 
but uh, before I left, we we got pretty serious and we got engaged. But you know, s being married, newly married, especially, and going into combat isn't a great thing because sometimes you know, just maybe you might not come back. And a lot of my friends didn't, a whole bunch of them, in fact. But uh, I think uh, you know, we came back. Uh, there I was. I got. So we got married shortly after I came back and stayed in the Marine Corps for a short time, but she kind of thought maybe it'd be a good idea to do something else, and a bunch of my friends were going with the airlines, so I, I talked to them and uh, got a little bit of that bug and got hired and uh, got out of the Marine Corps, and then that uh, company started laying off instead of hiring anymore. So I, so I went to work for Caterpillar Crack Tractor Company for a short time, and uh, I stayed in the Marine Corps Reserve which I stayed in for my total, I had 32 years in the Marine Corps all total. But, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I was a, I liked Caterpillar Tractor Company, but then the, the airlines uh, started hiring and they hired me and I, so I, rest of my life I was a, a Marine and a airline pilot. And uh, Who'd you fly for? I flew for Eastern and then uh, Northwest. Like Pam? Yeah, wasn't that Pam Talmadge? Yeah, Pam thing? worked for Eastern, yeah. I did not know her, but she worked. I was about to say. <laughs> I was based in Chicago, so it's a small base. But uh, enjoyed it. You know, my I went back to the three things my dad said: something you like, something you're pretty good at, and something you learn your living. And uh, and I feel very fortunate that uh, I enjoyed that. I love the Marine Corps. Uh, I love the Marines. Uh, they're a unique group. Uh, you know, I, I can cite you names all over the place. People that made five hundred dollars a month that I could give any job in combat, and they'd just say, yes, sir, and they'd walk out the door. And you knew the job was either going to be done or they weren't going to come back. And those are the yeah, people you want. Those are the folks that you need. So, uh, you know, and, you know, uh, how I got here is uh, kind of wild, but, you know, I, I uh, lived down here and I lived in the city and uh, I knew there were some problems. When I first moved down here, you know, the roads were all looked like my desk here, smooth. Mm -hmm. And they started all of a sudden getting tiny and bigger holes in them and things like that and I heard people hollering and all the stuff and I uh, had no intention to really ever becoming getting into this business at all at all period I did got talked into it and uh, who talked into it a lady named Beverly Wingate but uh, you know that I you know I it was a problem I, I saw there were problems I saw things weren't getting done and uh, so my dad always said, if you uh, don't like what's going on, either get up and do something about it or don't, or shut up. <laughs> so so uh, I got up and did something about it. I, I think the, uh, the experience with Dunwoody S, getting the, getting the positive vote here, uh, if you don't know anything about me, I campaigned by knocking on doors. And they're great people in this city. Uh, you know, people ask me all the time, I bet you hear some claims. I do hear some of them. But let me just tell you, 97, 98, 99, I don't know what their percentage is, are the greatest people you'll ever run across. Uh, I've knocked on their doors. I, I know a lot of them. don't know all of them, but I know a lot of them. And uh, uh, I think we've made progress here. Uh, you know, some of the things that we've done here, I think, have been very positive. We have not, you know, I'll let you ask me questions, whatever you want to ask, but I can talk finances. You don't know anything else about me. I'm very conservatively financial. The fiscal financial. And uh, well, I, I, I didn't grow up with money falling out of my pockets, and I've always, 
I know what it's like not to have any money in your pocket, so I don't want to go back to that personally, or, and I don't think the citizens of the city want that either. So uh, I like nice things as much as any person that walks the face of the earth, but I also have to be able to afford them. So I think that's uh, one of the key things here. Tax rate's still the same. Paving roads, we're doing this, we're doing that. Uh, you know, we've got over 50% of the roads paved already in 10 years. Year before we became a, uh, became a city, there were three roads paved, and the longest one was about two or three blocks long. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we've done a good job of uh, moving the curve. You know, I always say you put it on the old, the old chart here, and we're on this, on the vertical is uh, time. Excuse me, I got that backwards. Vertical is quality, and this on the bottom is the time, and as long as the line's going upward, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. If it's uh, flat, you're, you're resting on your laurels. If it's going down, you need to get out. <laughs> you're not doing a good job. So I think, uh, you know, from that aspect, uh, I don't know what paving plan we were on, maybe 50 or 80 years before we became a city. We're now on a 20-year one. Yeah, 80-year probably doesn't yeah. work very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's We won't use rows in 80 years, right? <laughs> no, we'll probably uh, be walking around with uh, the Jetsons or somebody like that. But I think we've done a, a good job at that. I think we've answered the call of the citizens. Uh, folks are pretty happy here. There's always some folks that got a, got a problem, and we listen. And that's a great thing we said when we became a city, one of the things we said. Uh, you know, close to home, close to home. Decisions made close to home. Everybody knows us here. There's I don't think there's anybody that doesn't know us uh, unless they just moved here. And uh, we, they know how to get a hold of us, and, and we're responsive. Well, speaking of, have you heard much from people uh, about the 285 elevated lanes? Yes, some, especially probably those that live closer to it. And, and the whole idea is is that, uh, you know, basically there'll be two la elevated lanes going each way, and they're going to be managed lanes. That means managed means also toll, whichever way you want to put that. Sneaky way of putting it, uh, but yeah. yeah not <laughs> sneaky. It's, I'll, I'm not sneaky, so I'll tell them. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, we have to do something about the traffic here. We know that. The managed lanes over on 75 are working. Uh, you know, as long as you're building new lanes, I don't have a problem with that. If you're taking existing lanes that every taxpayer has paid for, and now you're going to charge them, the tr I don't like that. I don't think that's proper. But, uh, you know, if you're building brand new lanes and you're going to charge people, uh, that's okay. And, you know, we have people, a couple of them that live up in Woodstock that work here, and they tell me it's taken about an hour off of their commute. So, you know, it, that aspect, it's going to work. It's going to be, you know, there's a timeline on it. They're already buying some right away. Uh, there's some money behind it this time. You know, that just came up 10, 15 years ago, and there wasn't any money behind it, so all it was was talk. But uh, the current governor, Governor Deal, has been a very big proponent of that, and I applaud him for doing that because, you know, when you talk about anything, transportation, traffic, is a big issue here, you know. Well, it's getting bigger, the, too. The, well, there's no traffic in Dunwoody, but other than the people around us got traffic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they were talking about the entrance point to that, mm -hmm. the managed lanes, and they were talking about putting it in Sandy Springs, and then they also talked about putting it on Ashford-Dunwoody. Well, What does Dunwoody have to say about that? Like, Well, Ashford-Dunwoody isn't going to be one of them because it'll be a uh, the the managed lanes will have entry and exit points that aren't currently used oh okay so, so yes ones. and 
the whole idea is that, you know, across the spectrum here, you know, across this whole spectrum of this top end 285, is everybody has to share part of the part of the burden. And there's going to be traffic coming off of those. So everybody has to share equally in that, you know. Sandy Springs, they've got the biggest uh, distance-wise, and but us and uh, Brookhaven, uh, Doraville, Shambly, Tucker, we all got to share part and partial to that. And also, you got to remember some of those managed lanes got to got to exit because they're going to be probably uh, what I call rapid transit, rubber tired rapid transit on those, uh, as it currently looks. It could change. And and by the way, entry and exit points aren't written in concrete yet, but uh, they're looked at pretty heavily right now for the for the city do we want that i mean i i think it would add traffic but well it does but you it also, also want adds, people at the mall it, it so. also adds convenience yeah yeah you know it, it adds there'll be entries and exits mm -hmm. so you can get on you know we the last thing you want to do is drive the back roads for four miles and then be able to get on you'd kind of like to have it a lot handier right so you don't yeah. think that's going to happen what do you mean you don't think we're going to have to drive four miles to get on or off those? No. Okay. So no, there won't I think be a I think there'll be a, probably a couple of them here in Dunwoody. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, there's several places mentioned, but I think uh, I can pretty well guess where they're going to be because I can guess where they're not going to be. That, that, that simplifies that rule pretty much. As long as they're not at Ashford Dunwoody, that's that's what yeah, I was. Where, where do you live? We thought we'd put one right where you live. <laughs> I'm over at Tilly Mill. That's why. <laughs> so I swim at the Georgetown Pool, and, and actually, right on the front page of the Dunway Reporter here is, is yeah. you know that article about yeah. um, what's going to happen with with the pool and everything. Like yeah. That. Well, it's you know, let's hope that uh, we uh, minimize any inconvenience to our citizens. You know, I, I talk about what, do you, what are you doing here in the city of Dunwoody? What are you trying to do? What we're trying to do is, you know, overall, let's talk about all these other smaller subjects. Let's talk about the big picture. Here's the spectrum. We're trying to improve the quality of life for everybody that lives here, from this side to this side. I don't want to hear any east, west, north, south. We're Dunwoody. If you live in Dunwoody, you're part of the Dunwoody family, period. That's it. You know, and when we uh, we were push the cityhood vote. I heard that in places. Hey, I know what's going to happen. You folks in the north end are going to get all everything and us down here aren't going to get anything. I said, not as long as I'm here, it's not going to happen. You know, everybody lives here. Everybody's part of the family. Everybody gets part of the pie, period. And the idea is to improve the quality of life for everybody across the spectrum. And if that means, you know, traffic, if that means whatever it means, it's got all this, the parks, it, you know, police, paving, everything. We got to incre you know, increase the quality of life for everybody here, and that's that's got to be our objective. And we can't we can't come up with this business of north, south, east, west. You live here, you work here, you're part of the Dunwoody family. End of story, as I far could, as I'm concerned. I couldn't tell you what what part of like north, south, east, or west I am in Georgetown. You're in the middle of Dunwoody. Am I in the middle? Yeah. Okay. But at right. Tilly Mill, I feel like sometimes I'm not part of the Dunwoody. That's that's untrue. So. But then you did you know the, all that's going on with Brook Run. That's mm -hmm. Yep. See, everybody gets part of the pie so. here, you know, and, and one of the first things we did, you know, when we first started this, all this stuff after we became a city, uh, you know, and that's, this is one of the things we had, you know, that's, I didn't put that up just for you, I, that's there all the time, Don't Winnie Independence Day, July 15th, that was the vote. Yeah. And uh, that was a, that was a wild night that night, you know. We need to we celebrate that day more then. Yeah, that's right. Well, we, you know, we had the celebration coming and then the PR people here made it rain. Yeah, you <laughs> cut that, that out. <laughs> it's Jennifer, you just got here. Come on. Now. <laughs> no, uh, you know we had we had all planned. Every Ashley had done 
yeoman's work, Claire, I mean, everybody had worked. You know, all of nonprofits had come together. Everything was going. And then, you know, we had the deluge of the, the century or whatever Ready it was called. Days, yeah. And uh, so, you know, but we're going to have it again. It's going to be rescheduled. Have no fear, fellow citizens. It will come. If I have to have it in my backyard, it's going to happen. <laughs> and uh, we're going to have it sometime in the spring. We don't have a set date, but hopefully in the spring, you know, the weather will be better and we can do that. But uh, did I answer enough on 285 uh, there? Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, it's kind of. Justin's real concerned about his pool. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Did anybody from the state actually contact you directly before they like, when they were we, just bouncing we, this idea around? We've had interviews. Okay. We've, had inter we've had interviews. And we have, we have the North Atlanta Mayor's Association. You know, we, we get together with the state. We've had, you know, uh, Russell Murray, uh, head of GDOT. He's been straightforward with us all the time. Uh, you couldn't ask for a better person, quite honestly. Uh, he's, you know, he's not a showman. He, he's just a doer. And, uh, you know, I think uh, in, the, in the long run, this is, this is going to be a good thing. Uh, but, you know, with, as I always tell the citizens around here, with progress comes some pain. And if you don't believe that, you can go through the uh, intersection here at Vermac and uh, Mount Vernon in the middle of a, a warm day, and you'll find there'll be some construction going on there. But yeah. when it's done, it's going to be just like the one intersection over at Peeler, Mount Vernon. Yeah, I, and there, I love know? that intersection. Yeah. Go through and it every day and never stop. And we know, the, we know the intersections here. We got them rated. That was the worst one. This is the second worst one. The next one's over here at uh, Shamley Dunwoody and Spalding. Uh, you know, we know where the worst, worst roads are. Uh, like I said, when I was, you know, I wrote the, uh, I, and with a lot of help, wrote the, uh, all the uh, RFPs for all the vendors when we first started the city. And, and I'm good at plagiarizing. If you're good at, good at something, <laughs> I'll plagiarize. If you're not good at it, I won't. But uh, one of the things we found out, uh, you know, I know all the other folks here in the other cities uh, pretty well. And I said, you know, how do you work this paving? Because, you know, every road in Dunwoody needs paving. And he said, laser truck. I said, laser truck, what is that? And they explained it to me. So before we ever started paving, we had a computerized laser truck that goes over every street. It came back with a rating of every street here. Your streets are all on that sheet. Every street in Dunwoody is rated. And we know where the worst are, and we fix the worst first. You know, there's sometimes there'll be, we'll fix in a main road. There'll be a short road over here that's not rated that road not rated that bad I'm sorry and we might fix that at the same time and people say hey, what well, that reads but you know economically it's it's better to get it while we're there because it prevents moving the equipment which is a cost yeah but that's what that's that's called that business of uh, I get back to that all the time and 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 I firmly believe this you know and uh, is that everybody gets a piece of the pie here that's probably a good stopping point for episode 61. I'll get to you 62 soon. If you aren't already following us on Facebook, you're missing out. There's uh, always stories being shared. Just now, I read that uh, they're talking about putting a couple restaurants out in the corner of the Perimeter Mall big parking lot, out where the uh, the corner where the carnival normally sits and caffeine and octane takes up a lot of space. So um, you can find that article in the Dunwoody Area Restaurant Review Group. The bar they're talking about is called uh, Lazy Dog, and they have a menu and patio for dogs. So happy for something new, something else new in Dunwoody and starting in 2019. Join those Facebook groups and hit the See First option to see all of our posts. Check you next time.